John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And they did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. He then said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Gordon. I'm the assistant minister here. It's great to be with you. Special welcome to you if you're new or visiting. It's great that you can join us here at St. Stephen's this morning. Uh, if you could keep the Bible um, that you have in front of you open to that passage, that'd be great. Um, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are the almighty God, the God of peace and sacrificial love. And Lord Jesus, you demonstrated the most ultimate love and sacrifice when you willingly laid down your life for your friends. Uh, help us, Lord, not to make light of your sacrifice on the cross. Help us not to make light of your victorious resurrection over our great enemy that is evil and death. Amen. Uh, as you know, this Tuesday is Anzac Day, a very sacred day in our nation's calendar. And it's important that as a church we honour and remember and pray. Uh, if you look around this building, particularly up the back, uh, you'll see the names of those uh, who used to sit in these very seats, uh, honoured as those who answered a call. Uh, they answered a higher calling to go and defend their country at great danger and at great cost. I remember first learning about Anzac Day at primary school as a migrant child, that was the only way I learnt about Anzac Day. And as I learnt these stories at school, and as each year this day comes around, you always imagine, right, you know, you always put yourself in their shoes and imagine what it would have been like to receive that call, you know, maybe it was a letter that they received in the mail or a phone call, you know, something had happened. Some event had happened on the other side of the world and you were needed now. You were needed for something important, something honourable, something urgent because of this thing, this event that had happened. Some events change everything, don't they? Some events change our whole lives. Uh, these people, they dropped everything to go behind. They left it all behind. Normal life left behind. They were responding to something greater. Uh, they were answering a higher calling, if you will. Now that may all feel a bit distant and foreign. I know that some of us here in our church have lived through the war experiences, but fighting in wars is something that it's beyond many of our own experiences. Yet this idea of having a higher calling in life, it's very important to us. Uh, we all want life to be greater than just the mundane everyday. Uh, we all want life to be greater than the day-to-day -day grind. Uh, we all want life to be more than being part of some social or economic machine, you know, the rat race, even the whole ladder climbing thing. As humans, having a higher calling makes life more than just all the different tasks that we have to do each day. Uh, we've come today to the end of John's Gospel, uh, John's witness account of his friend, Jesus. Uh, and this last chapter that Evie read for us, Jesus, the risen Jesus, he appears to his disciples again, for the third time actually, uh, we're told in verse 14, the third time after his resurrection he appears. But this time, this appearing, this revealing of himself to his friends, wasn't just to show that he was truly alive again. This time, this appearing was to remind them of this higher calling that he had called them to, a higher calling that actually involves us too uh, and is passed down to us as well. And as we look at this, uh, we first look 
at a lower calling, if you will, a familiar and comfortable calling. Uh, so let's read from verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the, three, the, the sons of Zebedee the, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Now, we've got to be a bit careful when reading this. What do I, what do I mean by that? Uh, if I went to you and said, I'm going fishing, and you said, great, I'll come too, uh, what do you think will happen next? Let me tell you what will happen. Uh, I'll probably say, how about this Saturday? Uh, we could go down under the Roseville Bridge. I think I've seen people fish down there before. And you'll say, fantastic. And then Saturday will come around, and I'll wake up, and I'll go down to my garage and try and find and locate the old fishing rod and the old fishing equipment that I haven't used in years. And then I'll realize that because I haven't used it in years, it's basically unusable. And so I'll give you a quick call and say, I'm really sorry, I'm going to be a bit late. I have to head to duck out to Kmart to buy a new fishing rod and some gear. And uh, then I'll finally meet you there, but realize when we get there that I forgot to bring bait and we've forgotten to buy a fishing license. And so I make another trip to the nearest service station to buy the most unnecessarily expensive bait, uh, some prawns, and I make you look on your phone and try and work out how to buy a fishing license. And by the time we actually put our first line out, it's the worst time to fish. There's no fish around. Uh, and so we then waste hours trying to fish, and we end up going home to eat KFC and the leftover prawns instead. That's exactly what will happen if you come fishing with me. Why? Because fishing is, at best, a recreation for me. If you were generous enough, you'd call me a recreational fisherman. But that's me. That's not Simon Peter. That's not James and John. These men were professional fishermen. Uh, fishing was their vocation. It was their old job. Uh, they, that's how they made money. That's how they put food on the table. Uh, it wasn't a hobby. And so it's very strange that they caught nothing for a whole night. Uh, we, we read at the end of verse 4. Uh, uh, verse 3, sorry. Uh, in verse 4, we continue the story. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, and the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Jesus comes along, but the day is still lighting up, and so they couldn't quite make him out on the shore, over in the shore. Uh, he calls out, have you caught anything? They say no, and so he tells them to try something else. You know, throw your net on the right-hand side, and maybe you'll find some. And maybe they thought that this was just another fisherman giving them another tip. It's pretty common for fishermen to do. But what happens next is not common at all. There were so many fish that they were unable, we read, to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now, this miracle that has just happened has actually happened before for Simon, Peter, James, and John. Back uh, in Luke chapter 5, when Jesus first called Simon Peter and James and John, they were fishing. And like this story today, at that time they were catching nothing. And Jesus comes and tells them to let their nets down one more time, and miraculously they catch a large number of fish. And that was where Jesus called Simon Peter and also James and John, the disciples in our passage today. He calls them to be fisher of people. Uh, from now on, you will fish for people. 
You will call people to follow me, Jesus is saying. Now back to this story today. John, uh, he's the first one to remember that story recorded in Luke chapter 5, and he puts two and two together. It's the Lord, he says. Uh, Simon Peter hears that it's the Lord. He jumps into the water, swims to shore. Now, we've got to remember that Simon Peter had just recently denied Jesus three times, just before Jesus was killed. And so he's a bit quiet in this story so far. Uh, you know, for someone, it's quite unusual for someone who's you know, usually the unofficial spokesperson of the disciples. And Jesus knows that. And he's deliberately come here, not just to meet his disciples, but Jesus has come for Simon Peter. Uh, what happens next? Uh, it's a really beautiful moment, I think. Jesus has he's already prepared this charcoal barbecue for them, and they eat together. Now, this is the resurrected Lord Jesus in his glorious, victorious state, having just conquered death. He's in his glorious resurrection body, and here he's having a humble breakfast with his friends. You know, this is this is a picture of the humility and the humanness of our Lord Jesus Christ, our risen victorious Lord Jesus. His glorious resurrection and his victory, it doesn't make him any less humble, any less human. And it doesn't make him any less gentle either. Um, he's not someone who holds a grudge. Uh, we see this in the story, not like you or I. You know, imagine a friend like Simon Peter betraying you like that. But no, Jesus came and he appeared this time to restore his friend, Simon Peter, to himself. And more than that, he came to restore Simon Peter to his higher calling of being a fisher for people. Uh, so let's look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? They finished breakfast, and Jesus wants to talk to Simon Peter. And first, he wants to restore him back to himself. Do you love me? But notice, it's, do you love me more than these? Uh, what are the these? Uh, what, what is lying around here on the beach that Jesus is pointing to or referring to? Some people think, uh, example number, option number one, some people think it's the other disciples uh, maybe they're lying around on the beach having just eaten a big breakfast. And Jesus is asking Simon Peter if he loves him more than he loves these disciples. Um, that's one option. But it's, if you think about it, it's quite a strange thing to ask. You know, Simon Peter hasn't really been tempted to love the other disciples more than he loves Jesus. It doesn't really make sense in the story. And so another option Option two is that Jesus is asking Simon Peter if he loves Jesus more than the other disciples love Jesus. But again, if you think about it, it doesn't really quite make sense because Jesus hasn't really been calling Peter to love him more than the other disciples love him. He's calling all disciples to love him with everything that they have. So what else could the these be? What else could be lying around on the beach that morning? What about the fish, the huge net of fish that is just lying there on the sand? Now, did you notice in verse 11 that John has specifically told us the number, the quantity of large fish that they caught, 153 large fish. Now, why do you think that John specifically gives us that number? Maybe he was boasting, 
um, or flexing, that's what the kids say these days. Uh, you know, guess how many fish we caught these day, you know, today? 153 large fish. I mean, if I caught that many fish, I would let you all know, and um, I would definitely count them out one by one. Um, and this kind of detail really does add to this story being a reliable eyewitness account. You know, John was really there that day, and he remembered even the number, exact number of fish that they caught. But I think there's another reason why John tells us how many fish. Uh, so I popped over to Willoughby Seafood the other day on Penta Street, and that morning they had five what I called large fish. And so there's this Jew fish, uh, $35.90 a kilo. I asked the man how, mu how, how much it weighed. It was three kilos. And so if you do the maths, that's about $108 for that one large fish. Now imagine you had 153 large fish, uh, 153 large fish at that price will give you 16.5K, $16,500 in one day. Time to restart your old fishing business, the Simon Peter and Co. Fishing Company, right? But Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than this catch of fish? Do you love me more than your potential fortune? Do you love me more than your original calling and ambition to be a fisherman? Now Simon Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says to him, feed my lambs. There's a higher calling that I'm calling to you, calling you to, Jesus says. Feed my lambs. Feed them with my word. He's referring to Deuteronomy 8.3. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Peter is called to feed God's children with his word, with God's word. This repeats itself in verse 16. Jesus asks Peter, Simon Peter, if he loves him, Peter says yes, and then Jesus says this, take care of my sheep. It happens a third time, quite uncomfortably for Peter. He's a bit hurt. And after the third time, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Peter has a higher calling. Now that Jesus has been raised from the dead, it's not time to catch fish full time. It's time for him to catch people to bring people to know and trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one gathering his sheep. Jesus is gathering his flock. He says this, remember in John 10, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. Now that he has been raised back to life, it's time to gather his flock. It's time to gather his universal church. And he needed Peter and his other disciples to help him to help him feed and to shepherd this church. Now don't hear me say that if you're a professional fisherman or a professional whatever you do, don't hear me say that you need to quit that now and become a full-time pastor. No, Peter and the other apostles had a special role, a special role that we don't have in witnessing as being eyewitnesses to the resurrection and being involved in the building, the starting of that early church. And we are actually beneficiaries of that work. We are the church that God used them to build. And yet, 
we're also very much part of this higher calling too, because we are disciples of Jesus. All disciples of Jesus have a higher calling. If you follow Christ, you're always more than a banker or a fisherman or an engineer or a teacher or whatever you do for a living. You're even more than a mother or a father or a brother or a husband or a daughter. You're first and foremost a Christian. You're first and foremost Christ. You belong to him. Look what Jesus says. He says, feed my lambs, my sheep. That's who, that's who you are. That's who we are. We belong to Jesus. This is our higher calling, to follow the voice of our shepherd Jesus, to feed on his word. And actually, as a church now, we're all involved in the feeding and the taking care of each other. We're all being fed. And we also are helping others to feed on God's word. Each week, we're, all, we're also being cared for and also caring for others. That's church. That's the picture of church. Church is more than just a social club. We're the flock of Christ. We're his sheep. We're called to serve him. We're called to feed on his word, to follow his voice. And friends, that is the highest calling. In verses 18 and 19 in the story, uh, Jesus predicts the kind of death that Peter would glorify God with. And it's a reminder that this higher calling won't be a comfortable one. There will be suffering if we belong to Christ because that's what Christ went through himself. That's what it means to follow him. In his call to Peter, that's his call to Peter at the end of verse 19. Follow me. Follow me. All these commands to feed and to shepherd the flock, they all stem from this call to follow Jesus. We serve because we follow. And so in the story, Peter looks around and he sees John and he asks Jesus, what about him? What about John? And Jesus, in verse 22, he basically says, don't worry about him. I have my plan for him as I have my plan for you. You follow me. You must follow me, he says. And we, we all have this tendency, don't we, to look around to others. Um, you know, what are they doing? What are, how are they serving? How are they going to serve the Lord? But here's a little challenge from Jesus. You know, don't worry about them first. Worry about yourself. You must follow me. And I know that God has given you, he's given every one of us, particular gifts to serve him. Particular gifts that would really help us as a church feed on God's word each week. Gifts that would really help us as a church care for each other. Gifts that would really help us as a church gather more sheep into the flock. Some of you have gifts in teaching, in teaching kids and young people particularly. You could really help the little lambs that are in our church that belong to Christ. You could really help the little lambs feed on God's precious word each week. Some of you have gifts in technology, in tech. You could really help us on the AV team so that we can all hear clearly and engage with the service each week as we're fed with God's word. Some of you have gifts in caring and hospitality. You could really help us care for those who are vulnerable, those who need care in our, in our family, and also to welcome newcomers. I could go on, but God has given us all different gifts. And the challenge here is, you know, we always keep looking around at others. But Jesus tells Peter here, you follow me. You must follow me. 
I have a plan for you, Peter, to lead my church at the very beginning, but also to die for me. And I have a different plan for John, to write this witness account for me and to live a longer life. And I have a different plan for each one of my disciples. See, Jesus is saying that to us too. He says this to you. Follow me. That's our highest calling, to follow Jesus. Our lives are much more than the sum of the different tasks or things that we do each week. They all come under the higher calling that we have of being a follower of Christ. Because there's no calling unless there's a caller. Our calling is so high because of the one who calls us, our risen, victorious Lord Jesus. The risen, victorious Christ is calling you to follow him. The risen, victorious Christ who reigns over the whole universe is calling you to follow him. John's gospel ends on this amazing verse, amazing picture of who Jesus is. Verse 25. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. The world is too small for Jesus. That's how great and awesome he is. Even John's glorious account of Jesus is just a glimpse of how majestic and how spectacular Jesus is. You know, John's saying, what an honor I had of witnessing about him. There are some events that are so world-shaking that they change our lives completely. There are also some people that are so incredible and their love for us is so undeserving that when they call you, it changes your life completely too. And as Christians, that's true. Both of them are true for us. The resurrection of Christ and also the call of Christ himself to us to follow him, to join him in his business of gathering the church, his flock, feeding them, taking care of them. That's the highest calling anyone can have. And that's what we have. And that's who we are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to yourself and being our shepherd. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you laid down your life for us, your sheep. You are the good shepherd. Thank you that you call us to be your disciples, your friends, your followers, and that you have given each of us gifts, gifts by your spirit to serve you in your mission. Help us to answer your call, to follow you with all that we have, to love you more than anything else. Uh, Lord, sometimes life can feel mundane and unrewarding. Help us to see that even in those moments, we are called to be your disciples in every part of our lives, even those parts of our lives that don't feel as glorious as others. Help us to see that to be your disciple is the highest calling anyone can have. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.